Welcome to the Potential for What podcast. On this podcast, we explore how a range of business leaders unlock the potential in people. We'll hear how they've done it, find out what has worked, what hasn't, and why this is so important in getting and keeping great people. Most businesses focus on the here and now. That is all about performance. But at Let's Talk Talent, we like to think differently as we fundamentally believe everyone has potential. The question is for what? So let's explore that together. I'm your host, Joe Taylor, Managing Director of Let's Talk Talent, a talent management and organizational development consultancy based in London, the UK. I have a request. If you value this show, if you enjoy these stories or find this wisdom or inspiration useful, please subscribe to the Potential for What podcast to listen to future episodes. So welcome everybody to our next episode of the Potential for What podcast. I'm Joe Taylor, MD of Let's Talk Talent. And I'm thrilled to be talking today to Alex Terry, independent business psychologist. Alex, how are you? Yeah, very well, Joe. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Brilliant. So I'm really excited to talk to you about potential today because I know that you're going to have for our listeners some really deep and meaningful thoughts. So no pressure whatsoever. <laughs> but we haven't looked at potential so far from a psychology perspective, and especially from a business psychology perspective. So what would be great if I start off with a question that I've asked everybody and really ask you to define what you think potential is? Sure, no worries. Yes, in terms of what I think potential is, I see it as a forward focus concept. So the aspiration, perhaps as of yet untapped capabilities, embryonic behaviours that we might have that we can apply to new and different tasks and be successful. So from an occupational psychology perspective, it's distinct from past performance. And I think that's really reassuring because it means that whatever we've done to date in the past isn't going to be holding us back in terms of the potential we have to do different things and be more successful in the future. So I hope that answers your question, Joe. but that's how I see potential. So why do you think people get obsessed in organizations about measuring performance and potential? Because sometimes you're talking to senior leaders, they're always confusing performance and potential. They're always thinking about that people who have high performance are their stars. But actually, as you say, it's about forward motion and thinking about potential for what that person could become. How do we start to get leaders to start to think about it in the way that you've just really succinctly described it? I think it's a, a genuinely a real challenge. Because we're asking leaders or managers to identify things that may well be quite invisible to them. And also, I feel very sorry for managers when they're having to nominate individuals as high potentials or that sort of thing. Because it can be so divisive. It can ruin the culture that you've got in the team. And they're often not given any sort of criteria to go against. So I think that the use of the word potential, the language of potential, is really dangerous in organizations. And I'm beginning to think personally that it's outdated and there isn't such a place for it in an inclusive and diverse organizational environment that most organizations are striving for right now. So the title of this podcast is so apt, Joe, because the for what has got forgotten <laughs> and the word potential gets banded around in companies as if you've either got it or you haven't. And given that a small slice of individuals get nominated for things like HIPO programs, that leaves the majority of your company feeling as if, well, have I got no potential? 
So the for what must be aligned to the word potential if it's being used 100% because you could have potential for enterprise leadership. You could have potential for expert technical delivery. I believe that everyone has that capability to grow and develop. And what's different is the shape of that potential. I fundamentally agree with you. And that's why I set up Let's Talk Talent, because I fundamentally believe that everyone has talent. And this potential for what podcast, as you say, is about trying to change people's perspective because everybody has potential, as you say, whatever that might look like. And what success looks like to an individual can be very different from you to me, to Charlie and my team, to Craig. It's about unearthing and really looking at this from an individual perspective rather than from a box, ultimately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think that is the problem, that organisations today really need different types of talent. They need different pools of capability or future capability, given that I think the status of 50% of placements actually come from external hires, which is a real great shame. So when you look at this from a psychology background and you think about the factors of potential, there are 100 million models out there. So some people use JDI, judgment, drive and influence, don't they? Yeah, they absolutely do. And there are some very good models out there that aim to reveal some of those core factors of potential. And many of them have elements of judgment and decision making in there, of motivation and aspiration, of learning agility that might include change agility, people agility, influencing all those aspects. I think what they have in common is that they're trying to get to the things that will enable people to apply their experience or to remain adaptable in the face of a novel situation or circumstance. My advice, though, is make sure that the for what is taken into account. What type of leadership are you looking to assess potential for or what type of role or what type of future challenge? And in doing that, you have to pay attention to the operating environment, the context, the future changes, drivers, shifts that are going to happen to your environment or sector in order for you to hypothesize what the right sorts of approaches are going to be successful. Think about how things work in your organization. What makes it difficult to get business done? What's going to change in the future? And what does that mean for the types of capability that you actually need? There's some interesting research being done right now by Zara Weisel, who's head of research at Kidian Partners and also associate professor at Nottingham Trent University where she's looking at the nature of those environmental factors. That should really help organisations to tailor assessments appropriate to their organisation and hopefully get much better success. I think I've seen that quite a lot in organisations that I've worked for, that you've had that hero to zero mentality. So someone really say in marketing, and then you put them into business development and you've not set them up for success. So you've not given them coaching. You've not really identified what's the gap and created that development. Absolutely. So how do organizations, I think we were talking before in preparation for this podcast about some research that's been done by Bob Hogan. And I think he'd been talking most recently about the sort of development side of potential. Yeah. I was at a conference recently with Bob Hogan speaking and what he said was really interesting. Quite a lot of assessments for the concept of potential in whatever form that that takes, potential for what that we spoke about. Quite a lot of assessments start incorrectly by just taking a slither of individuals and not really throwing the gates open wide enough. And I can understand that because organizations are strapped for budget, for resource, for number of placements, and it can be quite overwhelming thinking I'm going to have everybody wanting to get on this program. But I would grasp that fear. I would throw it open 
to the whole organization where possible and allow for self-nomination. Because if you don't get diversity in at the start, that's going to perpetuate through the upper echelons of your organization. And just as you say, Joe, I've seen individuals in one company perform to an average level and then go on to achieve amazing things elsewhere. So we know that environment plays a part and we know that actually some of the best talent in organizations isn't necessarily tenured talent and isn't necessarily visible talent. And this is where Bob's research comes through. So he looked at a group of high-performing managers and he noted that a proportion of those tend to promote well, earn lots more money. (laughs) They tend to network a lot. They're really good at managing upwards, right? And he defines those individuals as emergent leaders. They're the individuals that tend to find their way into high-profile programs. But there's a whole other cohort of really amazing managers, right? And he labels these as effective, but they're different in terms of their behaviors. These are individuals who perform really well in the job, perhaps, but in terms of their visibility, it may be poorer. They are focused inwardly on the team and they're enabling effective team performance that beats the competition but they're often overlooked. So consequently, organizations need to work a lot harder to identify some of these effective managers for their potential programs and not just be noticing the emerging ones. And hence why a really open and inclusive approach to assessment is really necessary. Are there any particular industries or particular companies along your journey that you've seen have done this really well and you thought they were ahead of their time or they're really thinking about it in a different way? Yeah, there's one particular financial services organization who has bitten the bullet and moved towards self-nomination for their programs, and they've kept it really open. So whereas you might be tempted to categorize those that are eligible by tenure, for instance, they've created a benchmark of just two years within the organization. So it can be a range of seniority coming through the program, which is excellent. It's not easy to do for this organization in particular. It requires more of a funnel approach. So the same level of effort you would put into a volume high you need to do in terms of the allocation to your high potential programs. It's got to be a staged process to enable the funnel to work. And the other thing that's really important when it comes to attracting people in is to share the what. So most organizations spend more time on their realistic job previews and sharing information about roles to their external candidate audience to their internal audience. If you don't share, inspire and provide information about what you're looking for, you can't really expect people to show interest, desire and aspiration. So my advice is that not everyone is power hungry. Not everyone is inspired by potential for a senior management position, but individuals may be inspired by the problem solving that's involved, the strategic decision making that's involved. Research by Corn Ferry shows that only 14% of organizations feel very confident in the people that they've identified for their hypo programs. So how do you make sure that bias, so unconscious bias, and and you make this as inclusive as possible? Because I've definitely worked with organizations where when they've looked at succession planning and they've looked at the measurement of performance and potential, that there's been a lens to try and promote certain groups because they're lacking, say, women at a senior leadership. How do you make sure that things are inclusive, but also that you're not unconsciously biased to a certain type? Take a data-driven and scientific approach is my advice. Start with a proper role or job analysis of what are the kind of skills, attributes that are required for that role, and then stay true to it. That's my advice. 
and avoid things like line manager nominations where you're putting people in really difficult positions. People don't want to be biased, but these are difficult decisions to make. So use objective, well-validated and reliable tools to help you with the process. Final question I kind of wanted to ask you in terms of potential for what is really about choice. Sometimes when businesses create these hypo programs and they might have their why maybe that they want to increase mobility because it's a global organization, sometimes it feels as if the person doesn't have a say and they're nominated. And if they don't accept that they're going to be relocated to the US or Singapore or wherever it is, they're looked at as not having ambition or not having drive. How important is it in taking into individual considerations as much as that kind of ambition and feeling that you're developing people and their careers? I think it's incredibly important. You've got to pay attention to individuals' aspirations and motivations. In my mind, if you've designed a robust process that really shares what the opportunities are about, what the program is about, and created an environment where you can self-select in and you have choice, then these situations shouldn't arise. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I want to finish off by asking you a few questions on yourself, really. So Alex, what is your favorite podcast, video, book that you're reading that our listeners can get inspired by and learn something from? Right now, I am reading a really interesting book on the topic of psychological safety, and it's The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. Everything that we're talking about is about unlocking people's potential. And in order to spur learning and avoid preventable failure and encourage innovation and people to try new things, you do need psychological safety. It's not the only thing you need for high performance, but it's certainly the thing that is often the handbrake that organizations have pulled up right now. So I would encourage people to read The Fearless Organization to understand a bit more about how you can take that handbrake off and enable potential to succeed. So if listeners wanted to talk to you or learn more about what you do, how can they get in contact with you? So I'm not a big social media user, similar to Eva, who you had on your recent podcast. So like her, I'm on LinkedIn. So by all means, look me up on LinkedIn. It'd be great to speak to individuals who have been interested in this topic. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And I've learned a lot about the kind of psychology behind potential. And I hope that our listeners have too. As always, if you're interested in our podcast and learning more, please do sign up. And I look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Potential for What podcast. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to our new episode all the way to the end. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. As always, you can head over to letstalktalent.co.uk forward slash podcasts to check out all the links and resources in the show notes and to sign up to our email list. 